you're listening to the Padawan Perspective Podcast, a multi-generational Star Wars experience. Brought to you by the Star Wars Report 2nd Airborne Division Podcast Network. With your hosts, Mark, Barrett, Taylor, and Farrow. Join us as we discuss the Rebels TV show on Disney XD, as well as Star Wars fandom across the galaxy. On the Padawan Perspective, the multi-generational podcast of the Star Wars Report 2nd Airborne Podcast Division. Sweet. Welcome to the Padawan Perspective, your multi-generational podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Mark Herleman, and joining me today, my Padawan daughter, Taylor Jade. Hello. And from our Southern Cali Jedi Enclave, we have Jedi Master Baron Lot and his Padawan Pharaoh. Hello, Padawans and Masters out there. It's good to be back. It's always good to be back. Now, I haven't seen you guys in a, like a month and a half now, so like, Tay, what have you been up to in this time? One thing I'm going to correct you on, we haven't seen each other actually in a really long time, but we haven't talked in each other in a while. There we go. Sorry. Oh, Twist okay. That makes sense. <laughs> My birthday was a month and a half ago. Wow. Happy birthday. Are we going to Yeah, to be <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> Happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. That was Southern Happy Kelly? Birthday. Yes. That's how we that always awesome. sing. That's that how, was we, how we sing birthdays to each other from here, Southern California. It is? Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. <laughs> so happy birthday. Oh just been schooled. How old are you now, Padawan? I am 15. I got my permit on my birthday. All right. I remember yeah. that. I yes. had my cholesterol checked. <laughs> yeah, it, it's 60 miles an hour on the freeway. <laughs> that was more of a heart attack for me than you. You're all like, go faster, go faster. But I'm going so fast. As I'm going like 30 miles an hour, I'm like, it's so fast. They yeah, take it was you on sad. the freeway to get your permit there? Oh, no, no, no. That was just her dad being a sadistic, evil father. <laughs> oh, because the Padawan's here, and so they take us on the freeway here. Our Padawan will have to go on the freeway during his test. They take him on the freeway in the middle of rush hour from 3 to 4 is oh. when they schedule the, the, the test, and they have to drive from the slow lane to the fast lane and merge over within three exits. Oh, so yeah, that, fast and we don't have to drive until our actual license. Holy cow. So you yeah. just have to take a test and you're not allowed to miss more than eight. I have like 48 more to go and I can only get two more wrong. And I was like, <laughs> I'm going to fail. I was sweating so bad. I was wearing a white shirt. So like you could see the sweat stains. It was bad. <laughs> she was the same color as the sweater. That's how I knew there was something wrong. I'm like, she just started. What the heck's going on? That good old Herlem and Hugh. I just made that up myself right now. Herlem and Hugh? Yeah, that's my for sweat, I guess. Oh, alright. What have you guys been up to? We've gone to Stanley's Comic Con, and how was that, Father? How was it for you? I know how it was for me. How was it for you going to? You're kind of like a veteran when it comes to cons these days. 
What is Stanley Comic Con compared to some of the other cons that you've been to? It seems like, it just seems like smaller scale. It seems like there's less people and it's less crowded. It seems like there's a more, or there's more of an opportunity to like get things because in Comic Con, if you wanted something, you had to wait in a two hour plus line. In this, you, you could like still get things in, in a reasonable amount of time without them being sold out. So that's always like a plus. With these smaller cons, the staff isn't as trained well. So there was a couple times where my Padawan met up with some of the other Padawans from his school, and they were kind of, you know, running around the con. Because they're kids, they were just kind of able to skip lines. Yeah, we <laughs> we just ran through the Hot Topic line, and I got an extra, like, pop. It's over there on my <laughs> shelf. I got an extra Ahsoka pop, just in case you gotta, you gotta keep that. <laughs> <laughs> we got a picture and signature with Stan Lee. With Whoa. some long lines to stand in, yeah. I got the picture over there, actually. Well, I was able to use my smaller Padawan to get the Black Eyed Peas to sign oh, yeah. a book for us. Yes! That's awesome! Yeah, they were actually doing the signing, and I had Lando with me, and Will I Am kind of just looked up at me and I gave him the peace sign and he like picked you out of the crowd and right? yeah and he and I just oh. kind of walked to him while he was signing I oh I just God. walked right over to him and uh he said hey he kind of shook Lando's hand I gave him the book he signed it he slid it over to the rest of his bandmates they all signed it and he gave it back to me and I walked back out I didn't have to wait in line or anything <laughs> that's awesome it was awesome and i said farrah wait right here you know give me lando and i mean man babies you know nobody says no to babies it's really crazy he just looked up and i just walked past the line and the guards and security because he was looking at me so i just walked over to him and gave him my book and he signed it and slid it over he didn't say anything that was it that is awesome yeah it's pretty cool (laughs) wow and Flavor Flav signed it as well because Flavor Flav was a, he's like a voice. In, they, there's an app, an augmented app that goes along with this book, this graphic novel that the Black Eyed Peas have produced that, they've, that they're in. Flavor Flav was there and signed it as well because he's the voice on the app. It was pretty cool. His clock was a lot smaller than in his heyday. <laughs> It, you know, in his heyday, he had a big gold clock with diamonds on it and rubies and stuff like this. Was like um, a white Target clock that you could get, you know, that you put on your wall. So, Flavor Flav's hit some hard times, maybe. Well, you know, maybe he was compensating for something when he was younger that now success he he no longer needs to uh, emphasize. He still wants you to know what time it is. It's just not as important as it used to be, I guess. <laughs> Well, I think uh, we've probably caught everyone up. Let's get into the kid tro, shall we? Sorry, we have boring lives. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, my life, not your guys' life. Your guys' life is pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all like, I've been dancing. I had the flu last week. <laughs> my birthday was pretty much the highlight. <laughs> like, and that was a month and a half ago. The kid tro, zero hour, is the final. <laughs> Relax. Oh, my God. <laughs> Kid Tro, Zero Hour, is the final two-part episode of the animated television series Star Wars Rebels, the third season. The special two-episode, one-hour event premiered on March 25th, 2017 of Disney XD. The official description for this episode reads, While Rebels plot to attack Imperial strongholds on Lothal, Grand Admiral Thrawn discovers the location of their secret base. 
leading to an epic clash. Or as we get on cable, in final preparations for the attack on Lothal, Phoenix Squadron plans on disrupting with Grand Admiral Thrawn discovers their location. IMDB is a little different this time because those descriptions actually gave a summary of both of the episodes together. IMDB actually gives a description separate. For Zero Hour Part 1, the description IMDB gives... The Rebels make their final preparations for the attack on Lothal, but Grand Admiral Thrawn threatens to undo what they have built. For Zero Hour Part 2, the description reads, Hera and Kanan fight to keep the squadron alive while trapped on Adalon. Ezra seeks to break the blockade with help from an unlikely source. Just like, we're not going to do what IMDb did. We're going to continue what we do traditionally, and we're going to talk about both of these episodes as one episode, because that's how it's presented on television, correct? And we better get used to it, too, because I think next season, a lot of the episodes are presented like that as well. So let's go ahead and get right into it. What did you guys think about this these two episodes overall? For these two episodes, I felt like they were both good, like, finale episodes for, for the series. But I felt like maybe the episode we reviewed last week... Or the Twin Sons. Yeah, the, the one with Obi-Wan Kenobi and how Obi-Wan Kenobi, like, uh, spoilers, killed Darth Maul. I felt like maybe that would have been a better season finale, but I felt like this was definitely a solid one and just a solid pair of episodes in general. You know, I kind of agree with you on that. Maybe the decision was to switch it around, but who knows? But that could have like, well, we can't well. have Ezra go away twice. Like, if we have him go away and, and find Darth Maul, then he can't go away and find Sabine. Dang it! We got to do a separate episode. <laughs> uh, I actually like this two-part episode. What do you think about the fact that the Maul episode is before this? Should they have saved that one and made it the finale? I feel like Sabine was needed after. I feel like it was a good idea to kill Maul beforehand. So it makes Ezra a little more secure in who he is as a character going yeah. into the finale. Yeah. Okay, okay, I, I'm down with that. I'm down with that. I felt like it was a good idea to kill Maul. It's like, what? Uh, uh, no, thank you. <laughs> so, and that, okay, the funny thing is, is last time I totally was disagreeing with that. I was like, I hated the fact that they killed off Maul. And I, now here I am, and I'm like, it's like I, I like that they killed, killed Maul. It was, it, was a great, it was a great choice. <laughs> it was a great choice to the kill off The difference between being a 14 and a 15-year-old. <laughs> You were able to see that it was a great choice to able to kill off Maul now for Ezra's character to develop so he can go into this attack or into this defense of the rebellion. Yeah, knowing who he is, being very confident, rolling around in Darth Maul's ship, by the way. Yeah, that 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 does add a little Captain Jack swagger to him, you know. <laughs> like I got the pearl. Man, there was a lot of eye candy in this one though. I don't know if you guys were paying attention, but I, I was picking up a lot of little jibes. We had Thrawn being escorted by Death Troopers, you know, and we still haven't got a lot on the Death Troopers. I think you know Rogue One introduced them, but they didn't really give us any disposition on them or any background or anything like that. The most we get is from some like visual guides and stuff to talk a little bit about it. But that whole process of, of how they're created, how they're elite troopers and stuff, and the, the rumor that they're brought back from the dead, like, there's nothing substantiating any of this. So it's kind of interesting the fact that they're showing up and that Thrawn has them. You know, I mean, that's that seemed to be something that was only Krennic's little uh, pool there. So I thought that was a cool moment. We see the uh, indictorships or interdictorships. Like, that's something I've always loved. 
the fact that we also get uh, references to the Maasai group, which is Yavin, which is Leia's cell. I thought that was kind of cool as well. But a little detail, I don't know. You know, Barrett, you may have picked up on this because we've talked about stuff like this on Rebels Roundtable. But Kanan's lightsaber, sometimes he hangs it from the top and sometimes he hangs it from the bottom. I have no idea why this fascinates me so. But it reminds me of when we were talking about the ghost and the phantom. When it used to dock from the front or the back. I'm like, what is it with these things? <laughs> His his lightsaber docking is multifunctional, just like his ship. You know, it's funny that you brought up his lightsaber this time, because I haven't thought about Kanan's lightsaber in a long time, but I did this time, and I've noticed that he doesn't take it apart like he used to anymore. Remember, he used to yeah. take it apart and have it in two parts and then put it together and then ignite it. He doesn't do that anymore. I did notice that he's hanging it a different way, but I have noticed that he's not taking it apart anymore. So it's part of his growth. I think the fact that Thrawn has waited so long to spring his trap on Callus is an interesting choice on his part. I mean, because Callus could have done a lot more damage in the time that he was roaming about. But I love I love the line that he has where he's like, you have the heart of a rebel. And he's like, I'll take that as a compliment. Like, yes! Like, I... I've always wanted to like Callus like this, so I, I feel like this is one of those payoffs that it, it's like Sabine getting her jetpack. You know, it's like the fist pump. I don't care. You call it the Gary Stew or the Mary Sue. I'm excited when these things happen. And having Callus have that moment was really cool, as well as seeing Thrawn get in the fist fight. You know, they talk about Thrawn being a Sherlock Holmes character and inspired by that. That fist fight definitely made that feel that way. Like if you watch the Robert Downey Jr., Sherlock Holmes, especially the way he breaks down that fight when he does the hand-to-hand combat, that's what I was like vibing when I was watching Thrawn do his fist fight. Sheer force of will that he's just going to win. Callus is a good bad guy, but he's super annoying. I felt like okay, right from the beginning, as soon as Thrawn and Fulcrum or Callus were fighting. You already know Thrawn's gonna win because Thrawn just has that. Just ha- he has he's just he's walking around with his hands behind his back, like with the most monotone voice, and you could just tell he 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 has something up his sleeve. And what I always what I thought it was was Callus was gonna get captured right from the beginning. I just thought that it was setting up something like setting up a great escape, which I was one hundred percent right about. Callus goes in an elevator with two other troopers, and he like. I don't. No one even knows what happens. Just like whenever the elevator opens in the next floor, the two troopers are laying on the floor, and Callus got a big old smile on his face. Then Callus jumps into an escape pod, and then Hera comes, picks him up, and that was like the coolest thing. And it was so awesome seeing him fly out in space, and then getting him, or he got like magnetically attracted to the ship, and that was just that was just a great way for for him to like escape. So you like Callus. You like the fact that Callus did not die and he escaped that, you know, he he's going to probably be around for a little bit longer. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, he's a decent character. He he can stay around in my book. <laughs> All right. I don't know about Ezra though. <laughs> I like Callus. Thrawn didn't figure out that he was Fulcrum. It was going to happen. We all kind of like knew it was going to happen sooner or later. The fight scene between them, I liked a lot. <laughs> there was just so much action. It looked like they were going to kill each other, if that makes sense. <laughs> like, have you ever seen two dogs get so pissed at each other, the hair sticks up off their back? That was like Thrawn going after Kalos. Oh, no, so that description makes perfect sense, yeah. though, because Kalos was the alpha bad guy for a long time in the series. I mean, he, he legitimately flipped the script 
and we're now watching him on the other side. I think the thing that I really enjoyed was that he got some of the transmission out, even though he didn't get all of it out. Just throw on nose, like, and Hera was all like, "Red alert!" Hey, what she what she say? Did you guys catch what she said? She said, "Code K one zero." Now this is this is a big code number because they've used that for Hoth. This is a rebel. Let's pack up and go. This is a Torah, Torah, Torah kind of thing. Like pack up, we're gone. We're all leaving. Everybody knows what to do. We've rehearsed this kind of plan. Like the fact that it keeps coming up again and again in different sources and stuff is awesome. I absolutely love that. I thought it was brilliant. That also is the segue for Thrawn to figure out where the trajectory is for the rebel base for Chopper Base. So, I mean, not only does Hera figure out that, oh, God, he's onto us, he does get onto him. I mean, it's 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 legit. It's not just that he's onto Fulcrum. He's onto them. Can I mention the Bendu? The Bendu gets pissed. Yeah, hundred <laughs> like, percent. Like, I thought, I thought Bendu was going to die because of how mad he got. Have you guys ever played Sims? So, the Sims 4, I got it for my birthday. Well, I was looking on how to kill Sims. Don't ask why. Um... <laughs> A sim can die in like multiple different reasons. It can the sim can die from anger, it can die from sadness, it can die from laughter. Like there's a whole bunch of reasons. Like it can die from a freaking cow plant. Sims are weird. One time my sim died from anger because I got so pissed at its husband or whatever. That was like how pissed the Bendu looked. Like he was so mad. <laughs> the Bendu looked like my sim. <laughs> the Bendu just got so mad at Kanan, especially when when Kanan called him a coward because he didn't want to go to war. Like the Bendu's eyes lit up, but like not in happiness, in anger. The the Bendu looked like he was about to explode. He he was he was so mad, and then he just kind of teleported away. He was crazy. Yeah, I'm, I thought he died when he disappeared. Are you serious? Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> what was the Bendu's powers? Was he using Force Lightning at the end? Is he force using storm, Force Storm, wasn't he? Force Storm? What, what is that? That's a new Force power. The Bendu is like a gorilla, a turtle, a moose, and a buffalo all and mixed like a, together. He looked like a crab. At one point, <laughs> it, 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 he just looked like a crab. You're like, he's Sebastian with a moose head. <laughs> But whatever powers he was using, this is the first time that Bendu actually was true to what he said he was. He says he is the one in between the light and the evil. And when it came down to it, he not only attacked Thrawn's soldiers, but he also attacked the rebels. Kanan Jadas, Jedi Knight. Boom! Lightning to your ship. Yeah, he he was indiscriminate. That was that was an interesting thing. You know, another interesting thing that I noticed was that Thrawn sees Dodonna, Santo, and Syndulla as the leaders of this rebel group. When all this goes down, Hera is the battle general, even though at this point she isn't actually a general. Like it's interesting because like we're at a point where the public is starting to know who the leadership is. I mean, we just had the whole Mon Mothma episode recently where Mon Mothma came forward. So there's still a lot of the leaders that aren't outed to the public. And yet Thrawn is he's dead on as to who these leaders are. I mean, even though Syndulla herself isn't a general, she's clearly on the cusp of that happening. I mean, we know she's won by Rogue One. Rebels, it's at its best when it does the space battles. I mean, the stuff going on with Bendu was all right, but I think the only thing about that that really drew me in was the fact that we didn't know much about Bendu and his abilities. 
beyond that, if the Bendu would have just been any other force user doing that, I, I don't think I would have been as impressed. Uh, whereas the space battles and stuff, oh my god, man, I was just like fist pumping all the way through it. You know, I felt like a really cool scene in this episode was like when when all of the generals are just around the table sitting there and they're just like communicating with each other and it's just cool to see them all in one place, you know what I mean? Yeah, because you had General Soto, you had uh, General... I always thought it was Santo, but, Santo, but let's okay. talk about him for a second because he makes a huge sacrifice here and one that when I watched it the first time, really, frankly, it pissed me off. I mean, I love the concept of the Rebels having a flurry, which is basically like a, a aircraft carrier. And that's what he uses to break the blockade. And, I, you know, when I watched it the second time, I realized it really was the only ship that they had available to do it. And so it, it, it was like sacrificing your queen to save your king. But man, that was one hell of a loss to the rebel fleet. I mean, that that's a, that's a loss that you can't quickly recover and, and replicate and replace. You know, I mean, that's there aren't many of that type of ship out there or available to be just randomly pirated. You know what I mean? This is the second time that he was willing to sacrifice himself. Remember, he was going to sacrifice himself for his nephew, and he basically got saved there. This time, he sacrifices himself for the re for the rebellion to live on. Did you catch the uh, McFly reference with the Bendu though? McFly from Star uh, from Back to the Future. Back to the Future. Yeah, Kanan basically pulls a Back to the Future and and pulls a McFly by calling him a coward. Like that's what gets the Bendu off his his morals, calling him a coward. <laughs> Well, I mean, Bendu had a great line, though. Perhaps it is the will of the Force that the Jedi die. And I sense the will of the Force. You're like, ooh, ooh, crap. <laughs> Dang, Bendu, hashtag burn. At the end, Thrawn shoots the Bendu down, right? The Bendu gets shot down, and then what happens? I, I really understand He, like, understand shrinks, that. and then he's about to get shot again, and then he disappears again. Yeah, we don't really know, do we? Wait, can I just, like, how did the Bendu get so big to, like, create the, like, quote-unquote force clouds or the force storm or whatever? Like, how, how did he get that big to just, like, take over the sky? He became the cloud. He became a cloud? Yeah, I mean, that was, that was kind of what I gathered. Uh, and once Thrawn shot into the center of the cloud, he basically hit Bendu. Why did why my question is why did the Bendu if if he could teleport and disappear at the end before Thrawn shot him, why even f fake like he was yeah, hurt why, why on, even laying on the there? ground in the first place? I don't know honestly. There's if it wasn't for the laugh after he shot, uh -huh. I would have thought he was dead. Yeah, but then it showed and then it zoomed in on the ground and then like the ground had a bullet shot in it. But is he not yeah, dead? Yeah. Because we've seen on camera in episode in the in episode four, when Obi Wan becomes one with the Force, he just disintegrates and disappears, kind of like the Bendu. So maybe the Bendu did get shot in the head and became one with the Force. Oh, uh, good point. Well played. I don't think good so. observation. You know, we get to the moment where Ezra gets through the blockade. They basically they throw everything at Ezra getting through. And he reaches out to Mon Mothma, who we have recently found out was outed as one of the rebel leaders. And this was the question I was going to ask, because Mon Mothma says no. She says she's not going to commit her forces to save the rebels. So my question is, what is the significance of Mon Mothma not committing to save the rebels? 
And why wouldn't she? I feel like that's just a breaking point in her character. That's just like the end. She thinks Ezra's going to die, honestly. And, and before she goes, she just says, may the force be with you. And then the hologram comes off. Like she just thinks she's going to die. Like there's no, she doesn't even question it. She's just like, may the force be with you. I'm not helping you. And honestly, like this whole scene, it made me think Ezra's going to die. Don't all the rebels have to die to, for anything to make sense in the Star Wars series? Like, don't they just all have to die at the end? At some to a point? degree, some people say, yeah, that there needs to be no Jedi around, but that's a morbid truth, dang it, Pharaoh. It's a yeah, morbid no, it's truth. Just, it's like dramatic irony. It's like, you know, it's coming, but like, <laughs> is it is it here? Is it is it over there? You know? So well, I know you're this... watching Rogue One and you're like, why didn't she send him for Kanan and Ezra? Like, yeah. <laughs> there's got to be a reason, right? <laughs> yeah, I thought this. I thought this might have been the episode where Ezra died. Well. He didn't. That's the thing. I feel like because she did that and stuff, it like made Ezra and all of them like realize like we're screwed unless we find somebody else. <laughs> like there's no way of getting out of this unless we find somebody else. And then they think of Sabine. Then they're all we have no troops to help you. But Sabine's all like, I'm going anyway. And- <laughs> See, one of the things I was thinking about is how calculating and how the reputation of Thrawn must have impacted her. I mean, because. You know, yeah, they're they're in a tight spot, but I mean, they could get out with the right kind of support, except for this is Thrawn, and that scares her. And Thrawn's got one of her best cells pinned. Like, you know, that that's definitely a vulnerable moment for Mon Mothma, and the fact that she's not willing to commit the forces to get him out because she's afraid it's a bigger trap. So I, I thought that was a really a, a deep moment in the series. And and it's also one of those moments for Ezra where he realizes, you know, we're not always going to have help. Sometimes we're going to have to just depend on family. There's a reason why they can't supply any troops for the rebel cause. It's because they're at a civil war. They're saying that Gar Saxon is supported by the Empire. And yeah, that his family, the clan, is picked up. The clan. Even though Gar's gone. Woohoo! Yes, the Saxon clan is supported by the empire and they're at a civil war right now and they can, and the, and the ground that they are holding right now it they're just barely holding on so they cannot lose any troops they cannot send any troops yeah sabine says i think she says like my friends make the impossible possible i yeah, think great line she inspires hope when they have none <laughs> yeah I, I i like the fact that you know it, it kind of is telling because you know that there's more going on on mandalore we're definitely going to come back even though sabine's willing to leave she has to come back like she has to make this quick but at the same time i mean this is that's the peril that we have it's like we need to get you to come here right now get this and you can go like we just we just need to get these people out of there and as quick as we can, the better. At that moment, you know, we go back to Alanon or whatever the name of the planet is where Chopper Base is at, and we've got that shield generator that Sabine Jimmy rigged with Zeb and Rex holding it together when Thrawn initiates the orbital bombardment. And for me, I think that was probably one of the coolest moments in all of Rebels because as an EU fan, as a Legends fan, there have been moments in the books where the Empire has done this, done the orbital bombardments. And then there are parts later that came like in the New Jedi Order uh, and beyond 
where and I remember this one specifically. It was Jason Solo, and he was watching as the orbital bombardment began against the Vong. It was watching Star Destroyers. The, this time it was New Republic Star Destroyers, and they were unleashing on the enemy. And he was thinking about this is the Empire's might. This is what the Empire had designed these ships to do: pure destruction from the air, never touching the soil, ripping your enemy to shreds from afar. When we're watching that, and you're watching that shield generator just like on the on the cusp of exploding, like that. That ratcheted up the intensity for me, knowing about that in the orbital bombardment, seeing it for the first time in a visual medium versus my imagination. Like that was a really cool moment. And one of the ones that definitely sticks out for me in most of Rebels. Yeah, and that was the first time I've ever seen that. And it like it like blew my mind. It was it was it was pretty cool. To see all those green lasers shooting from the sky and the and it was almost like the way that the animation was drawn, it's like you could hear and feel the impact of each one of those lasers hitting the shield. It was it was an awesome moment. You're right. It was if this series is gonna win any type of Emmy or any type of award, it would probably be because of this this episode. They are losing. They can't really do anything at the moment. Like the only thing that's protecting them is falling apart. That would have been such a dark turn. Ezra comes back. All that's left is a bunch of smoking holes where Chopper's base was. We only know that Hera gets away because she and Chopper end up surviving. Man, that would have been such a dark and, and twisted turn. I feel like Thrawn's first attack with the orbital assault, I feel like like most people would save that for their last measure. But, but Thrawn used that first and like... He used it to take them all out to weaken them rather than using it as a last attack. Most people would use that orbital attack to decimate their enemies, but he was kind of using it as, let's see what their metal is. You know, he was so sure of himself that he was going to wipe out the rebellion or a big part of the rebellion here that he he just knew everything was going to go to plan as long as as his subordinates listened to him his plan didn't go according to plan because no constantine was a was a typical douche i mean that's that's what constantine does best but you gotta think though i mean thrown to a degree he did do it i mean he captured him at one point they were all surrounded by Thrawn had it not been for the Bendu's involvement. I mean, there was a great moment where it was very similar to what me and you, Barrett, when we were first introduced to Thrawn, where he's like, what Jedi devilry is this? And I was thinking, this is that moment where he's like, comes across Sabath in the Thrawn trilogy. Like, you know, he doesn't have his uh, Yasmiri backpack this time, you know, I bring death, says the Bendu. You're like, oh, oh, this ain't going to go well. At least though, the Bendu, like, like it seemed like he was throwing more shade, the Empire's way. But there was something else that came up in this episode that we had noticed. We had been talking about it last episode, and I pointed it out last episode because I'd happened to watch this one that night because I got the episodes mixed up. But we finally get the name of Darth Maul's ship now that Ezra has it, and he calls it the Gauntlet. Uh, and it was interesting, too, because Chopper gets to fly the ship, which, of course, you know, anytime Chopper flies a ship, like, that tickles me. Again, it gets back to my EU funny bone here. I, I think, of course, Ship of Princess Leia when R2 got to fly the Millennium Falcon for the first time, and the he did as he was sailing through the tops of Dathomir trees and stuff. So yeah, like anytime Chopper gets to fly a ship, I get I get droid envy. It reminded me of like when R two D two would like yeah scream and then he would when he flew the ship. I remember I had like a toy that you could press and he and he made those noises like the and yeah. It always it always reminded me of those scenes in the movies. Yeah, and the toy 
never came out the back of the X-Wing. So even if you did not have a, a pilot, R2 was always flying the ship. Yeah, true. Hey, did you guys notice, though, at the very end of the episode, okay, they're all flying around. Everyone's in the ghost, even Ezra. His ship wasn't attached to the ghost. Like, like, isn't that odd? You've got the gauntlet now. I don't know. You guys are at the age where you're both about to start driving. If you had a car, would you, on a family outing, ditch your car and ride in the family RV, or would you just ride in your hot rod? Probably ditch the car, honestly, because I love RD- RVs. When Grandma had our- <laughs> when Grandma had our RV, it was the most funnest thing because you got to ride with no seatbelt on. Oh, I guess you showed me. Oh, <laughs> uh, you have such a classic Padawan. You have like a Obi Wan Padawan. Okay, he just can't wait to quit the the, the order. <laughs> I want to stay home as long as I can. <laughs> What I was thinking when you said that, like, whenever that scene was going on, I asked my dad, I'm like, where, where's Ezra at? And then my dad responded with, he's at the other ship. And then maybe 10 seconds later, Kanan's, like, walking through the ship, and then Ezra's just in the, in the front of the ship. And you're right, it is definitely weird to see them all in the same place, and, like, the ship isn't attached. Well, Maul lived in that ship, in the gauntlet. That was the ship he used to fly around, so... There's probably living quarters there on that ship. You know, there's probably supplies. Maybe there's a way that can attach to the ghost, but Ezra's old enough to have his own ride, right? He's got to be 15 right now. I mean, he just got He's got his permit uh, license a long time ago. You, you would think that he just want to drive in his own ship. There's a lot of little things like that. I mean, you know, we... we we see the flaming body of the Bendu fall, and yet, you know, he seems to have lived. We don't know what happened with Ezra's ship. You know, there, there's so much potential going forward. I mean, when you guys got to the end of this episode, what were you looking forward to the most with season four? I was mainly looking forward to, like, how they would continue the be- the Bendu. Where is he at? Where has he been going? How does he have these powers? What is he? Who is he? Etc. And I, I just basically want to see his backstory, like, where he came from. And what what is he doing now? Is he dead? Is he, like, you know what I mean? I want to see Tara and Kanan hook up so bad. I They came so close to it, and then, like, they both walked off, and I was just like, no! I was like, just, yeah! Like, uh Taylor's in full ship mode. I like, something else I want to see from season four, because, like, every season, Sabine changes her hair color or alters it in some way. And I, I just want to see what it is next season. I mean, like, every season, it's like a new surprise. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be different. Yeah, her armor is changing, too, as well. So I'm Speaking of armor, I want to see, but I want Sabine to make them all their own, speci- like, specific kind of unique armor. Like, like yeah, based like off she of spray paints it or whatever? Yeah. You know, they basically recycle armor and stuff. After Civil War, you got to have a lot of dead Mandos laying around, right? I mean, opportunities <laughs> to upgrade. I mean, you're a warrior culture. It can't be too cannibalistic or frowned upon, right? <laughs> what I'm really looking forward to in Season 4 is kind of closing some of the storylines that have been open. Like, we haven't seen Lando Calrissian since Season 1. We, I was literally just thinking of we, that. I would be nice to kind of close that story because the last time we saw him, he was he had power converters or something like that that we gave him. There's a whole storyline of the of the Tie Fighter manufacturing plant on Lothal that they have been hinting around a lot. Mm-hmm. That you know that needs to close down. That that needs to come down. 
There's also the the fact that they've been kind of hitting around Rogue One and the Death Star and stuff like that. So maybe we'll have a... There's also the, the Saw Gerrera storyline that needs to be closed down. You know, we know he's not going to die. He's in Rogue One. But as far as our Rebels are, are concerned with him, you know, so there's a lot to look forward to in Season 4 that not necessarily has to do with the Rebels dying at first. At first, though, only at first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, I for me, it's a return to Mandalore. I'm really excited about that. Like, I get this feeling sometimes that Ezra is like the new Baradan Jessic of the of the canon. You know, he's the Jedi that's turned Mandalorian in a sense. Like, like he's getting more and more of the armor. Like, I've seen previews of him having a jetpack. He's got a Mandalorian ship. Like, he's all but dating a Mandalorian chick. Like, I mean, you know, I'm I'm shipping Ezra and Sabine. I don't care what you say, Tay. It's gonna happen. And, and so for me, like, like I like seeing that progression of the character. I I'm looking forward to him actually stepping out more on his own. I mean, you know, think about it. Like, he was already on his own. But then Kanan showed up and showed him a whole new world and a little Aladdin had to learn what it's like to be a Jedi. He's at that point again where he's ready to take on a whole new world, only yeah. this time with Jedi skills and a lightsaber. So, like, I'm there. I'm down. I, I, I'm ready to see him man up. And I'm also ready to see Kanan kind of do some more solo adventures. Maybe see him and Hera do some things together on their own again. Woo! Shipping them still. So. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> like, I mean, they both got their own ships now. Like, give them some space. Like, Zeb can go off with Ezra for a trip or two while Sabine's off. Give him some alone time. And Lando has been, he, he loves the Aladdin movie, so we've just been watching it. I, we watched it earlier today, and we, we're, I've, I've heard that song so many times. <laughs> That's like me with Ariel. I feel like I've watched Ariel, Frozen, and Moana so much within the past month. I've seen month. Moana so many times. <laughs> but Aladdin looks so much like Ezra. And mm-hmm. Ezra looks so much like Aladdin since we've seen it I, recently. Actually, like whenever the episode started, I asked if they were the same voice actor. Like They sound like <laughs> the same person. Nope, it's an old guy. So what would you guys think of this episode? I mean, we, we, we now know what we're looking forward to, but... Moving beyond this one, what would you guys give this one out of a one through ten? These two part episodes, like as a as one episode, they both function. Or I'm I'm just gonna refer to them as one now. It, the, the, this episode functions as like as a, it's a great closer. But like I said, maybe I feel like the uh, the twin sons might have been a better closer than this one. I like what they did with the Bendu and how he's like a mystery now and where he's going and. I don't know. I like these episodes. I'd probably give it like a nine as as a two-part series. I really enjoyed both of these episodes together. I think seeing them separate was just as enjoyable because I think the part one got me ready and foaming at the mouth for part two. And it's always not always like that with two-parters. These two episodes really flowed together well. Out of one through ten, I'd have to give it a good eight. The one thing that I I would have to ding these two episodes for is it didn't really leave the season on a cliffhanger. And I'm not sure if it's because they didn't know if it was going to be renewed for season four. The way that they knew that the Clone Wars were going to be renewed. Because it seems like they had a lot of Clone Wars material in the future that was kind of already done or halfway done. And it doesn't seem to be the case this time around. So I think they kind of almost closed it off to where they could continue telling the story through maybe comic books and, and things like that. 
there was not a big cliffhanger. Seeing the trailer for season four, I think that we're going to get a lot more action. Maybe, you know, they didn't know that we were going to have a season four. That's kind of what I've got. But all yeah. around, it was pretty good. You must have been like seeing something I wasn't watching. Like, like how how did you not see that as a cliffhanger? Like they they lost their attack destroyer flurry ship. They they lost all those supplies. They lost chopper base, man. I've always been a fan of Force philosophy, but I think that the way the Bendu has been delivered for me, it's left more of a sour taste in my mouth. I feel like it's it's almost like what they've done with the Death Troopers with Rogue One. You know, you've introduced this really cool concept of a stormtrooper. You give it a really cool name, but you don't give us anything to go with it. You know, they they talk kind of funny, but really, if you listen, you can still understand what they're saying. So it's like, what's the point? And and I kind of felt like that with the Bendu. It's like they found a really cool way to create a Force user that's there in to bail them out. But beyond that, I really don't know anything else about him. It's like, he's in the middle. He's angry with Caden Jarrus. Like, I, I mean, so for me, that really, I think hurts the episode for me because like, it's just the presentation of that character and the way that it's all come about. I, 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 I love that Pharaoh, you're skeptical and think he's going to come back because for me, I think this is it. I think, I think we're not going to see Bendu again. I think that this was where they planned to write him out and they plan to do it just as mysteriously as they introduced him and use him throughout the series. So for me, that that's the one negative that said, I love the space battle stuff. You know, you can't go wrong with that. The little details and stuff were popping. Uh, the callous action was was moving. Thrawn and the music that's provided with him when he does his diabolical thinking. Oh, like I for me, it was working. So I, I would have to give this a strong nine. Um, you know, I, I would go higher. But again, I, for me, the Bendu stuff just kind of soured the taste in my mouth. I really like this episode. I was disappointed with Bendu. I'm not going to give it a 10. I feel like it needed to be left off as like a huge, big climactic cliffhanger. And as much as I hate cliffhangers, I felt like that was needed for this episode. I'll give it an eight and a half. Hera and Kanan. So waiting for that to happen. Producers, I am. I'm here. I ship it. I'm speaking to you. I. You have my signature down. Um, you hear that, Baloney? You yeah. can do it. She's giving you the red light or the green light. <laughs> okay, so that wraps up this episode for the Padawan's Perspective. We'd like to thank everyone who joined us today for coming in and giving us a listen. You can find our episodes directly on Star Wars Report's second airborne podcast at www.starwarsreport.com. Now, before we go, we wanted to mention to you our Audible trial. If you go to www.audibletrial.com slash report, you get a free trial run of Audible to see what they're all about. Audible has more than 100,000 titles for you to explore. Titles from the Star Wars Expanded Universe or Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings or any other genre, all without risk of being stuck with a book you flat out hate. Because Audible members, they can exchange any book within 12 months, that's one year, with no questions asked. So in this digital age, if you're thinking of making the switch from the page to the audiobook, Audible just might be right for you. So, for the Padawan's perspective, this has been Mark, Tate, Barrett, and Pharaoh. Can I say, can I say the outro? Yep, go All ahead. Right, so, so, until next time, I'm sure everything will go horribly wrong. <laughs> Have we gotten a bumper sticker yet? Not I yet. I feel like we need a bumper
Thank you for listening to our show. For more content, please like our Facebook and Twitter pages. Theme song by Subconscious Tunes. Announcements by Brock. Sponsored by War Machine Marketing. Remember, you can find the Padawan Perspective and all the Star Wars Report Second Airborne Podcast at www.starwarsreport.com. You had General Madonna. Oh my god. You had General Lucky Star. No, you had General Don Donna. Dodonna. 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 You had you had okay. Dodonna. Dodonna. <laughs> potato, potato. You had General Dodonna. You had General Soto. Sato. Soto. Jeez. Santo. You Santo? had General Santo. So- Soto. Sato. You had General Sato. Sato. <laughs> you said Soto Sato. I'm just, Sato. I'm, I thought it was Sato. I'm just saying now to the all of our listeners and stuff, pardon everybody's like language and stuff if we are saying it wrong. You had General <laughs> Sancho. You had no, it's Sato, right? I feel like every Sato. time one of us says it, we're all like, so till next time, I'm sure everything will go horribly wrong. Yeah, I, like, I always, I always wrong. hold that. <laughs> Same. Like I was all like saying it in my mind and then all of a sudden you did it. I was like do we do that every time? Like, I was all like, I know th- I do that every time. So. Yeah, I think that's just <laughs> Something the way about it is this no, no, on the bumper sticker, the train wreck of your lives. On, on the 